Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, It is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation. We're back. We are back with another fun week ahead. We are in full swing. The tournaments, no more of these JV fields, right? A non-elevated event. The guys are coming to play, coming off a major. Guys are still showing up. I'm excited. See, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I mean, it's a little JV-ish, but I don't mind that at all. I mean, you know, it's funny, Joel, you know, after a major – we heard this after the Masters. It's like, oh, man, we got to trudge on and do DFS and bet and golf. It's like, are we really having this conversation? This is super fun. Every Monday is like when the NCAA March Madness brackets come out, like on on Selection Sunday. Every Monday is that for all of us or anybody that loves playing DFS golf. I got to tell you, though, Joel – Nobody loves DFS golf as much as you do right now. $150,000 on Sunday. Showdown lineup. You are the showdown king. And I got to say, for all you Win Daily Sports members, Joel was in there the night before, Saturday night. He In our golf bets tab, he dropped in his player pool. And boom, what was it, 12 hours later? Maybe 14 hours later, he's winning for $150K. I got to tell you, Joel, I didn't tail your picks. I, I had sort of my own picks. Um, I think I put them in our Win Daily Discord as well. But I'm kind of wishing, granted, I was only going to play one or two lines, but I'm kind of wishing I, I went your way because you absolutely drilled it. This has got to be in showdown your sixth or seventh six-figure win, I'm guessing. Ooh, uh, if, you, if 50K plus, it, it's above that, but I don't think it's quite that many for, for a six-figure. Okay. But I, it is my biggest win ever. So take that into account. For me, it was a huge day. I was just telling the guys before we got on um, – and actually, realistically, Hovland's putt on 18 cost me – it should have been 180, and that birdie putt on 18 – now, I, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm very happy with how it turned out, but <laughs> but it could have been even bigger. So, uh, But it was it was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll even add one more small tidbit. Because the price for entry was a little bit higher, there was like a coin flip of me not playing because I was like, you know, it's a, it's a lot more entry, and I was like, I normally won't play – as much as I do because of the higher entry. So mm-hmm. I was kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll take the, this weekend off. But I decided I wasn't doing anything. I was watching a movie with my wife. I was like, I'm going to build the lineups out. If I like it, I play. If I don't, I don't. That's how it's going to go. Obviously, I liked it and I played it all worked out. But it could have it could have easily not happened. So thankfully, it worked in my favor. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Congratulations, Joel. I think it's going to be the honor you part of the show to begin this. And I'll give a little bit of uh, – behind the scenes thing that nobody gets to see before we do this so you know joel comes walking in he has money flying out of his pocket here it's just a lot of money being won on this show specifically from joel right now so uh congratulations on that and any single time that you know i'll use jason day as an example here 
when you earn more money than the player that's actually in the major and that player earns zero and you're winning over six figures there, very impressive stuff, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and I will say, in, including everyone in the chat, because we drafted you guys too. You know, I, even though I'm on the show, obviously, I use the show too, right? Your guys' plays and tips and as we go through um, helps me to kind of get prepared for the week. So if you're not watching weekly, you can see we win a lot. I and mean, it's not just me. I mean, everyone. Sia wins a ton, David a ton, Spencer a ton. So tune in, get on the board, on the train with us. And, and have some fun. There's still a lot of the season left to go. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, again, massive congratulations on the, the huge hit last week. We we're just saying before the show that, um, you know, as Joel mentioned in that Discord, we were dropping our plays. You know, I, I, I posted DFS Core with um, my showdown plays and my week-long um, DFS plays. And funnily enough, this week on round four, where Joel had his massive 150k hit, my DFS Core was the same that featured in both of his lineups, which was Cantlay, Kitayama, Davis, Kitayama and Davis both had um, the, sorry, Kepka, um, Kitayama, Davis, uh, Kitayama and Davis both had the lowest round of the day um, on the Sunday and then Kepka obviously got the win and that's always a great recipe for success um, in your round four showdowns. So um, awesome, awesome hit. Um, just another huge six-figure win for Joel as we see kind of on a regular basis now. As I said in the chat, he spent at least half of that on his haircut, but well, I understand that the other half is going to his wife. So we can all be very happy for that. <laughs> yes, yes, I appreciate that, fellas. It was a good week. We only need to spend a minute recapping the PGA before we dive forward to the Charles Schwab Challenge down in Texas this week. Um, I think it's a really interesting field because I think, Sia, you made a good point from saying it's like almost a JV tournament. It feels that way. It's, it's interesting because there's more than like two guys or three guys at the top. There's, there is you know, six, seven, eight guys at the top. But then there's this kind of, you kind of miss the middle period. Like what we were used to in the low 9K, 8K range is now kind of disappeared. And mm -hmm. that's where this tournaments are changing. But this type of thing for DFS purposes is critical because understanding how to best form a lineup that can be competitive is part of the equation. And with salary cap and everything like that, and us trying to show you how we can, do it on the show obviously we're a little handicapped on the show because we're drafting against each other so we can't take all our optimal plays um but that's a huge factor each week weekend week out like majors play super way differently than regular week to week tournaments because the fields are so loaded that there is more value players to be had lower down whereas tournaments like this that's going to look a lot different with that being said of course, every week we give you the very best course breakdown you're going to find in the industry to say what you're looking for at Colonial Spence, what are you looking for here this week on the course? So we have Colonial Country Club, 7,209 yards. We'll talk about that yardage in a second. Par 70, bent grass greens. Colonial is one of the shortest courses on the PGA Tour. That factor would typically generate what you would expect to be a birdie fest output, especially considering that the track has been known to play 200 yards less than that number that I just read off a second ago. However, I do think that you can quickly start to realize that length isn't what technically makes a venue problematic. When you look into Colonial consistently grading as one of the more problematic challenges on tour yearly, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get that single digit sort of number that's come into play when there's been worse weather here. I think you probably land somewhere in that 15 under to 20 under if you're really pushing this for birdies at the end of the day. But even still, I mean, that's a slightly more challenging stop than one of these tournaments that's going to be a 25 under sort of a shootout you have tree line fairways 
force layups that are going to stop second shots if drives do go wayward. I think that's one of the reasons just from the very beginning of that answer why you get a significant decrease in importance for distance. When I ran my model, it's not as if accuracy necessarily got a massive jump either. Uh, for me, and I'd be curious to hear what you guys thought, it's kind of one of those pitch and putt contests with the way I ran my model. So there's a couple of key answers based off of that reason. I think one, you get smaller than average greens. That's going to accentuate the yearly increase at the field experiences with their flat stick. 6.2% more shots get made from 10 to 25 feet than average. And then two, it adds an intriguing facet when you build a model because there's also a 4.1% increase in dispersion of scoring for strokes gain approach that is taking place on average. The majority of that's going to come between 125 to 200 yards. Um, that's going to be where the big increase takes place there. It's a massive decrease that you see from 200 yards plus. It's the force layups that really is the big answer there. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, this just kind of comes down to the pitch and putt contest that I talked about. And I think there's ways that you can get around it when you build a model. I wouldn't say that's like the only thing you want to look at is approach numbers and putting numbers. But there are ways that you can build this where you can make this a really unique setup for a tournament that is highly predictive in rollover success year to year with it. So I kind of tried to build a model that wouldn't land on the same answer as everybody else. I see concentrated ownership in a lot of the same ranges. I think when you get tournaments like this, you need to find ways to get unique. Um, so I guess we can talk about some of that when we get into the players, but it's going to be a fun tournament. Love it. Did Joel freeze? Either that or he's he's this is a um this is some sort of performance. Um he's anybody ever seen forgot him? to pay his bills even after winning $150,000. Yeah, that reminds count, me that the stance the stance he's in right now. Do y'all remember the show before we get to our board? We're gonna bring that up in a second. America's best dance crew and the Jabberwockies from season one. Anybody yeah. remember that? Yes. I feel like Joel is like in position to like do one of their moves. Anyway, Jabberwock, that was a good show, in my opinion. They're in they're in Vegas now. Yeah, I believe yeah, they've there. been there for a while. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we can get an update on Joel. Um, I, you I know what this means, by the way. Joel's not here. Joel has the number one pick. He forfeits the pick. It is now my pick being second on the clock. So I will take <laughs> over. I mean, if he doesn't get back soon, I mean, David, can we pull up the board and and we can put him on the clock? Maybe we'll give him Adam Svensson, who withdrew. <laughs> so that would only be fitting, I think. I, I think that would be fair, yeah. Uh, just just touching on the, the course analysis, which, you know, from speeds, like, I mean, where else in the, the industry are you getting anything like that um, from, from Spence? But I, I completely agree with basically everything he said. Big uptick and around the green for me. Driving accuracy, just for the positional nature of the course. You can look at courses like Harbortown, YLI, um, the RSM Classic's a good guide as well, um, Sedgefield, Wyndham Championship, all of those sort of positional golf courses. Um, and then just the huge increase of, of approach shots from 100 to 200 yards. I have 14.3 strokes on approach on average coming in that 100 to 200 yard bucket, which basically means you're only hitting two shots over 200 yards and one less than 100 yards. And so that's that's heavily weighted in my models this week. But I see that Joel's um, finished counting all of his um, stacks of cash and has arrived back onto, onto the show. Did Joel draft himself is so classic. Really good stuff from <laughs> Ivan. And then Steven, of course, otherwise known as Sicily Kid, said if Tambo were here, he'd pick six in a row. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, all right, let's bring up the board. Let's get started. Yeah, Joel, if you can just add the the spreadsheet to the um to the stream again down as one of your tabs, then um, we can we can bring that up and we'll get underway with the draft. 
By the way, uh, to see who Brent, you might take with the first pick. Brent is here. He says, Hey, Sia, sorry about your Lakers. My nuggets were just too much for y'all this year. I mean, I'm not really a Lakers fan. I just like them this year, uh, post trade deadline. I was right in the first two series. It was this last series where like Denver was just so much better. So that, that's the end of that. But uh, okay, Joel, it's your turn, man. Uh, you ducked out. You tried to withdraw from the tournament, but we kept pulling you back in. Who's going to be your first pick overall for the Charles Schwab challenge? Yeah, and, and I'll just echo. You know, I, I I apologize about your Lakers, but I am excited to see LeBron on the Knicks next year. As we all know, that is the only eventual outcome. With that being said, speaking of goats, best players, that's obviously who I'm going to take with my first pick in this draft, which is the obvious best player, Scotty Scheffler. Um, <laughs> Brian Harmon. <laughs> well worth paying up for. Listen, eleven five is is pricey, and, and you know. Um, you got to think twice about putting all that money up, but the thought here and, you know, the way the field is kind of built out, you can get one other kind of top tier guy and then kind of balance it out from there, or just go straight balance in the high seven K range for the rest of your lineup, which I'm totally okay with because like we were saying before, there's probably not as big of a gap from the mid to high seven K range to the high eight range as there would be in a more loaded field, like at a major so if your strategy is to take Scotty and balance it out from there, I don't think you have to dip as much as you normally would in a more loaded field. So I'm, I obviously Scotty's the best player. I'm going to go ahead and lock him in, and uh, we'll see how the rest of the draft falls from here. I think the other interesting thing, just when it comes to roster construction this week, it's only a 120-person tournament. It's going to be easier to make the cut. Not saying that you necessarily want to dip down in the certain ranges here, but if there are players that you like down beneath, I, I don't know if construction is necessarily as difficult as it would be in a 156 man field where the total cut percentage for everybody goes down a little bit. Yeah. I also think before we get to your pick Spencer, I think pricing, this is the first week I can remember in a long time where I looked at some of the prices and I was like, that's wrong. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I think I would ignore, even if you, you leave more money on the table, uh, this time, which I'm not necessarily encouraging th this tournament relative to to other tournaments, or if you just skip ranges and, and you dip down in the six or like, I, I just think especially, you know, 8k and below, there's a lot of guys that are kind of the same. So don't get stuck on the ranges. I say that a lot, but I, but I, I want to say it for this tournament in particular, I, especially in the 6k range. I think there's a few guys that could be way more costly, way more expensive. So with that said, Spencer, where are you going? I think when I built this and when I was trying to figure out what's the player that I would want to start backing, at least as the first pick here, you know, I want somebody that can score on these long par fours. These are really difficult holes. I do want somebody with a good short game. I want the weighted to the green. I want the weighted scoring, but above anything else, I wanted a golfer that checked that pitch and putt narrative when I added both the approach metrics and the putting metrics to this. So I'm going to go with a popular guy in the $9,000 range. I'm going to take Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200. All right. I don't have a problem with Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, I think he is certainly a good price. Uh, he wasn't somebody I immediately went to, uh, but I mean, I, I think he's so well-rounded. I think it's a good play. David, I want to get your opinion before you pick your pick on Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, the, the, the sort of disclaimer I always want to start the show with is we can't like everybody like that doesn't make any sense. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if, if we liked everybody. So I'm curious, David, in terms of Tommy Fleetwood, whether you like him or not, is he somebody that would be in your player pool? He'll definitely be in my player pool. I mean, he, he's coming off a, just a very, very good run of golf. Like Tommy Fleetwood has been sneakily very, very good recently. 
I mean, 18th at the PGA Championship last week, and I don't, I personally don't feel that Oak Hill was the best course set up for a Tommy Fleetwood with the way that his game rounds out. Um, before that, fifth at Quail Hollow, another big boy golf course, and then 15th at the elevated event at RBC Heritage. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I see that as an event that's very, very correlated to success around here. So he's coming in in great form, um, and he looks very, very close to the win. So um, don't mind the play at all. I, I thought that the way that Spence was shaping that, that he was about to take this guy in. I want to throw a, a cat amongst the pigeons, basically, to start off, as I sometimes like to do with my first pick, and kind of ignore the top of the board and go get some value further down the board for me. And for me, that's Cameron Davis. I mean, this is, for me, a course where... The, the biggest thing for me with Cam Davis is he is not going to pop in your models. He's not going to pop for your metrics that everyone's plugging in, everyone's getting kind of the same names. But Cam Davis performs on short golf courses. It's just a fact. He loves like Arbacy Heritage. His record there is immaculate. He's played very, very well here. He's just finished fourth at Oak Hill. And he's the kind of guy that if you don't have that residual knowledge of He's very, very good at these courses and outperforms all the statistics. We think of him as this bomber and he just manages to find fairways um, that I feel that you can get an edge here just with some knowledge. He's not going to pop in your model. Can I add one thing to that very quickly before we move on? So surprisingly, and I don't know if we would call this popping, he's 12th overall for me here uh, inside the top five for weighted T to green. And then really it's the answer that David talked about where you put him on these short courses and then all of a sudden he becomes like a legitimate top 10 option in these fields. So uh, yeah, I think statistically there's going to be things that will probably bring him down in a lot of ways, but if you run it from a current form perspective, if you run it from way to T to green, if you look at these short courses and you add some of these things on from the back end of this, uh, I think it's very easily you can move him into a top 15 player into this tournament and you can probably push him higher than that. Like, I'm sure you can speak of this yourself, David. Like he opened at, I saw him at some books in like the seventies and now he's down into the thirties. So there's definitely credible money that is backing him. And the move seems to be sharp money and not square money that I've seen that's moving it. So that's always a noteworthy thing to at least keep in the back of your head. Yeah. Cam Davis makes a lot of sense. I think from an ownership standpoint, he makes so much sense that like, listen, like where we're at in a lot of the tournaments we're playing, like there, there's a lot of sharp people. And I, when I say we, I don't mean us for, I mean the people in the audience too, because I see Cam Davis is picking up a lot of ownership. So that would be the only watch out that in the mid 8k range, he's going to be the highest owned guy, him or Ricky Fowler. Um, I think they're kind of teetering back and forth there, but it is quite a bit of ownership. So it's just something to keep in mind. I mean, as good as a course fit as he is from a DFS standpoint, you do at least have to consider uh, his ownership. I got to say though, I love the sea audience start. We have picked Justin Rose, who's going to win this tournament and Taylor Moore, who might top five this tournament. I, I love both of these. I, I love the salaries for both of these. Um, none of them, neither of them are going to be like prohibitively high from an ownership standpoint. I'm saying pretty low numbers for, uh, for Taylor Moore and for Justin Rose, it's it's a pretty aggressive number. It's in the 17% range. So that one is a little high, but I, I like it anyway. I, I absolutely think he has win equity here. I love both of their games. Okay, first of all, real quick, Justin Rose has won here before. He won in 2018, third place in 2020. In 2023, he already has a win, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And in, let's say, that the three biggest tournaments so far, the Masters, the PGA Championship, and what am I forgetting, the players. His finishes are two inside the top 10 and one inside the top 20. 
The guy's on fire, and this is a great course fit. We know that because he won, but it's also a great course fit. The ball striking is there, and the putter. Last 24 rounds, he's fifth in this field in uh, the, the putting metric. And by the way, Taylor Moore, he's third. So Taylor Moore's another guy that's ball striking it and has been hot with the putter last 24 rounds. So I love both of these guys. Joel, I want to go to you. Uh, are both of these guys in your player pool? Have, have they been overlooked by you? Where are you at with Taylor Moore and Justin Rose? So I'll start with Taylor Moore. I really like Taylor Moore. And he's definitely in my bar pool. We're playing a lot of him. In, the, like, in that price range, there's a lot of guys you can play. I like the method of taking Scotty and balancing it out with a bunch of guys in that range. Rose, I like too. For all the reasons you said, there's a lot to like about Rose. The challenge for me with Rose this week is his price. And that, you know, if I do want to play Scotty and then you put Rose too, it does make it difficult. Then you mm -hmm. do it lower to balance out your roster. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Spencer, yes or no on Taylor Moore? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't dislike Taylor Moore. I think there's players priced next to him that I would prefer to play. So he might get bumped out of a player pool based off of that answer. But I mean, you have to like the ownership from what he's presented in 2023. And I see sub 7% right now. And yeah. it's hard to like, he's 30th in my model, which is probably lower than an answer that somebody would expect me to give from where he's ranked in some of these past tournaments. So uh, there's just a couple players that I like a little bit more, which maybe we'll talk about at some point, but um, I guess indifferent would be the best way to say it with players that I like a little bit. And Justin Rose, yes or no, Spencer. I kind of give the same, but he's fifth in my model. I don't, I don't know. Um, I prefer Tommy Fleetwood if I'm directly comparing and we can't play everybody, but that's to me, like that's the one difference Sia that I would give. And I don't want to give too long of an answer here that I would give, like, I would be curious. And I mean, I guess from like the, for the show, if you don't want to say that's fine, but I would be curious to what players you thought were mispriced on the board. Cause is it at the top? Because I kind of think the players at the top are more or less accurate. Yeah. It's more like the six K range. I think there's okay. a, a few guys that are mispriced Fair. and in the seven K range. So it's really not at the top necessarily. I think that's a fair answer. Like to me, the players $8,000 and up, whichever way you want to put them, they're like all top 30 plays for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this really difficult is we can't play everybody. And I don't have any players. Like when I wrote my article this week, there wasn't one name in that section that I said, this is a fade for me. This is somebody I'm looking to take on in matchups. All those answers came in the $6,000 range where I either thought a player was massively undervalued or massively I mean, I don't know if you can be overvalued as like a high $6,000 golfer, but I thought it was a player that didn't necessarily belong to the player next to him. So I, I don't know. It's like one of those spots where you have to pick and choose. All right. Well, David, it's your pick. I'm, I'm going to box you in real quick. I want you to make your pick, but I want you to tell me what you like better. Justin Rose at 9,300 with some elevated ownership, Taylor Moore at 8,000 with looks like it's going to be 10% or lower ownership. Um, I'd be going Justin Rose on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something kind of controversial. I I'm not sure that I love Taylor Moore this week, and I've been a big Taylor Moore guy this year. The the reason why is his approach metrics. A lot of that is coming from 200 plus yards. So I've really liked him at places like Quail Hollow. That's where he's been picking up his shots. He's like fourth on the PGA Tour through approach from 200 plus yards. And so I'm a little concerned where we're getting into this like a lot of shots between 100 to 200 yards whether he's got the best game given some of the ownership that I think that we're going to get. He absolutely bombed as well in the last two rounds of the PGA Championship. So I think that's going to take a little bit of a knock to his confidence. So 
I, I'll be playing some Taylor Moore. I'm just really, I'm not going to be overweight on him as a result. The, the counter to that is he's won the Valspar Championship, mm-hmm. who won this tournament last year, Sam Burns. We know what he's done around Copperhead course. Um, and he's also gotten 11th at, at the Odyssey Heritage. So that's why I'll be playing some of him. I'm just not sure that I'm going to be overweight this week because I feel that a lot of people have caught on to the Taylor Moore story now and they'll, they'll be going in for him there. Um, so yeah. I hope, hope that answers the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the ownership's going to get too elevated. I honestly think that performance, the, the, I guess it was Saturday where he threw his club or threw his driver, like I actually think that's going to have ownership be down yes. a couple of percentage points. That's just, yeah. it's just the, the human condition. Like people to, like just generally put him in a certain box and don't want to play him when they see that uh, for a couple of different reasons. But David, you're talking about guys you're going to be overweight on. Cameron Davis, certainly one of them. Who's the next guy? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree with that. I think people are like, I don't want anything associated with people fly, mm-hmm. throwing clubs. I don't don't stand for that. And so I'm not going to play him on my lineup as revenge or whatever. So agree with that. Um, I'm going to take this guy. I'm amazed that he got past you, Sia, because we've talked about him already quite a bit this week. I sent Sia a message um, quite late at night on Twitter with just one name. It was one word, and it was the Zayden Howe. And mm-hmm. I just absolutely love him coming in here this week. Um, key for me is his approach between 100 to 200 yards is, is kind of off the chart. That's really where he scores all of his approach numbers. He missed the cut on the number last week at Oak Hill. Oak Hill is not Christian for Zadenhout's cause. So I, I'm really targeting a lot of these guys who have either just missed the cut at Oak Hill or somehow made the cut at Oak Hill when they really shouldn't have because that was a huge golf course where if you're not driving it off the tee, there was no way that you were going to finish within the top 20 of that tournament. And we saw that on the leaderboard. So he performed very, very well there. Great driving accuracy, great short game as well. His approach has just turned absolutely on fire since the Players' Championship. Whether you go and get your data from, go have a look what his approach numbers have been since the the Players' Championship because he's gained and he's gained multiple strokes in a big way for his last kind of six tournaments. So he's really popping for me. I'm happy to go back to him here as we did at the Byron Nelson. Yeah, like I, like you said, I, I like Cibes quite a bit. And, and for the record, he has been great on approach. He was 15th here last year, and I went back to look how he did it. And he did it in the way that you would think he would have done it, which I like to see, right? He did it with the putter, and he did it with the approach. And that's exactly where he's hot right now. For the record, he gave a little bit back around the green last year um, at Colonial, but um, that's the recipe. He knows the recipe and he's coming hot, coming in hot with that recipe. So I like it, Joel. I'm going to go to you before we get to Spencer's pick. This is just a yes or no. Seabez at 7,700. Yes or no? Absolutely. I was going to take him next. Oh, I love it. I love it. Spencer, you got Fleetwood. Uh, let us know if you like Seabez or not, but I'm more interested in your second pick. So yes to Bezaden Hout. And I am going to go... With an answer that David was talking about when we talk about some of this proximity. And that's one of the things with Taylor Moore that pushed him down my model. Most of what he does comes from distance. He doesn't get that there. He he decreases from weighted proximity. There's a golfer here in the 8,000s for me that does not do his work from deep. It's a golfer that finds a lot of fairways. He wants a short course. Unfortunately, and see, this feels like a golfer that would be right in your wheelhouse of the Kyle Stanley sort of mold. He's, oh, 120, yeah. he's 120th in my mole out of 120 players in weighted putting from 10 plus feet this uh, for this tournament. I'm going to take Russell Henley, though, as the number one accuracy oh. player. I, I, really I thought you were going somewhere else, by the way. I thought you were going. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but OK, go ahead. Sorry, Russell Henley. I go would ahead. be curious to hear where you thought I was going with that. But um, 
I don't know. It comes down to a total driving number. It comes down to the weighted scoring of him being inside the top 10. It comes down to a bogey avoidance answer. I have a very specific way that I'm trying to build lineups this week. And it's kind of, it doesn't necessarily have to be the two players that I started with, but I kind of like in this, this general range that I'm in right now, mixing and matching, because I think there's a lot of hidden win equity with some of these names here that might be a little bit under the radar. I know Henley has gained some traction and it's kind of one of the answers that I gave yesterday. Like when I wrote my article, I think Fowler was 18% and Henley was like 8%. And the exact answer I gave is to me, they are pretty much the same player. If you remove ownership from the equation, but then you add ownership and all of a sudden you're creating leverage with Russell Henley, that answer has changed over the last 24 hours. So now Henley's about 13 and percent Fowler, 16%. I think you can kind of pick and choose who you like in that spot once the ownership gets that close. But until this creeps up further, Henley is a top 10 player for me. And I don't think most people would say that. So here's the thing about Henley. One thing is, Spencer, to your credit, I think markets are really respecting him. I noticed it was either on FanDuel. I think it was FanDuel or DraftKings. He was a favorite against Justin Rose, which really surprised me. He's minus 118 versus Justin Rose is minus 108. And I hammered the Justin Rose part of that. I put it out on a show earlier today. I'm going to put it in the Win Daily Discord with all of my other bets uh, as well, including outrights, first round leaders, top 20s, top 40s, all that. Stay tuned in Win Daily uh, for that. But I don't want to take somebody that, that that's bad at putting. And, and for the record, I see in the chat there's somebody that the chat seems to like. Just check his putting numbers, particularly the last 12 tournaments. Um, that would be nice. So we, maybe we don't want to take that guy. I don't know. Just a thought. But that, I'm trying to avoid that because I really want to hone in. I, I don't have to have like great putters necessarily, but I really want to hone in on not taking the bad putters here. That's not a concern of yours. Yes, it's a concern. But I guess the answer I would give to that, at least as a as a pivot away from it, is these are really pure bent grass greens. And I think when you get really pure surfaces – it either helps the really good putters already or the putters that are not so great. And if you're telling me that there's a possibility that Henley can just be adequate with the flat stick, I think he can compete. If all of a sudden he does something abnormal and he starts making putts, I think he can win this tournament. So um, I, I almost think that the ease here helps him just like it would help one of your great putters that you want to talk about. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Joel, it's your pick. You got back-to-back -back picks. We're only in the second round, so let's try to race through round three and just try to get back on some solid schedules. You got two picks, Joel. Who's it going to be after Scotty, the big gun? All right, all right. I got to bounce my lineup here. I will say a couple of the, the value plays I wanted did go here, especially Cibes. Um, So the, the next guy I wanted, same price, was Emiliano Grillo. Got a good course history here. He's been ball striking the last, especially the last two tournaments has been astronomical. It does feel like a really coarse fit. So under 8K, I think I, I would have been happy with Grio in the 8K range. So to still get him under, I feel like I'm getting really, really good value with him at, on this pick. And then I'm going to also take with my second pick here. I'm really torn between two guys, but I'm going to stick with Nate Lashley. And the reason I went with him is because. 6900 for Nate Lashley it just seems like really good. I mean, to get him in the 6K range is a super good price, and it really helps my salary relief here with Scheffler. And, you know, the easy answer also is in his last two tournaments, both in May, he gained over six strokes on approach. So he's got some question marks to be answered with his driver, but this course should be forgiving on the driver. If he strikes the ball and approach that well again, he should have a really good result. 
if you look at the 7,100 range and you go down to, I don't know, 6,800, 6,700, there's some names there, man. There's some names that you, you could put here at like 7,400 and, and nobody would say, oh, that guy's overpriced. And I think Nate Lashley is, is in that conversation. I like your, your Grillo pick as well. Um, David, before we get to Spencer's pick, a yes or no on, on these two guys, uh, Grillo, Nate Lashley. Uh, Grillo, yes, uh, especially. I mean, he's gained putting five in a row, and we know that's his issue, right? So he looks to have maybe found a bit of something. So, so I quite like that play. Lashley looks really sharp as well. His approach of his last two have been very, very good. Um, seventh at the Sony Open at YLI this year as well. Yeah, I mean, his finishing positions just over his last four have been pretty great. 32nd in 2021, missed cut in 2022. Uh, might be some value there with Lashley. Spencer, you got Tommy Fleetwood. You got Russell Henley. Who's next? I'm going to go with a popular golfer, which is always a dangerous thing to say in this lower $7,000 section. Um, I'm going a little bit against my model in some spots. I'm going for it when we look from a safety perspective. So this is a golfer that has made four consecutive cuts. He is one of the best off the tee players, which is not necessarily the answer that you want to give here, where I think some of that gets mitigated. But he graded inside the top 25 for me when I ran this from an overall standpoint. He was inside the top 20 when I ran it for safety. I think it's a really good price tag here at 7300 So I'm going to take Hayden Buckley. Oh, I love that pick so much. I love that pick so much. The, the one thing about Buckley, and it might not matter, is the around the green play. You might have mentioned that, Spencer, but that, that's like the only thing that doesn't look like bright green with him. The ball striking is there. The putting is there. Honestly, if the ball striking is what we think it can be, right, Spencer? Maybe he won't need the around the green play uh, too much. I think Buckley is a great call. Um, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, Spencer, but David, I, I want to ask you, um, did, did you notice Buckley? Is he somebody that you like this week? Yeah, I do, I do like him quite a bit, um, especially some of his correlated form. Fifth is obviously Heritage this year, an elevated event. Second at Wildeye, pushed, um, pushed Siwoo there for, for quite a lot of that tournament. And his around the green isn't like dreadful it's like just below pga to average and i think that's workable given the approach metrics the um the combined off the tee that we see from him yeah totally fair um david it's your pick you got Sebez, who everybody seems to like you got cameron davis who everybody seems to like uh, by everybody i mean everybody on this show and in the chat uh who's next well, it would have been Russell Henley, but Spencer rudely snatched him from me. He's one of my favorite players this week. You look at the tournaments he's won, the Sony Open, uh, Wileye again, PJ National, positional, tree line golf course, the Houston Open in Texas, and then now Camilio and another driving accuracy heavy golf course. So really, really love that play. I'm going to go down that um, driving accuracy route again with um, another winner of Al Camilio. He's got very, very good history here, third and eighth in his last two appearances is Brendan Todd. He can putt the ball, driving actually excellent. The one that the one thing that really pops for me with Brendan Todd is miscut at Oak Hill, whatever. That is not his golf course. But the week before that, he was eighth at Quail Hollow. Brendan Todd, in an elevated event at Quail Hollow, like this really strong driving golf course, like that for me is like, mm, that's, that's interesting. I want to look a bit more into that. And he just really pops in the approach numbers as well. So I think he's um, a very, very good chance of this tournament. I, I expect a top 20 from him and at 7,800. That's great value. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people that like Todd. Now, the one thing I recall about Todd is the recent form, and I don't know if you addressed this, the recent form with him isn't very good. Is that correct? 
No, I think I think it's good. I mean, O'Kill missed cut, whatever, like not his golf course. Um, he wasn't like miles away from making the cut, to be fair. Um, he's just, he's short off the tee. He's never going to be able to yeah. beat O'Kill. But then Quail Hollow, before that, he was eighth. In fairness, I might be confusing him with somebody else. I didn't even bother to look it up. But um, with all that, yeah, I mean, it's the ball striking numbers. I'm looking at it now. They're, they're not great. I mean, the, the short game is awesome with Brendan Todd, and that's going to pay a huge dividends. But just to put it out there, I mean, ball striking measured events, he's lost four in a row, ball striking. Uh, we know that Brendan Todd on this course can be great, and he's been great on this course, but it's just something to point out at the very least. All right, see, audience, do we have to um, – I do want to get Joel real quick. Yes or no on Brendan Todd? Yes. And Spencer, cool. yes or no on Brendan Todd? Probably Yes. Ooh, that sounded like, nah, kind of no. Okay, but he says probably yes. Okay, so we have nominations. It looks like Carson Young has been nominated and maybe Sungjae as well. Or maybe did, did Eric Cole get nominated before Sungjae? Did, can somebody, definitely Carson Young is one of them, which I, I love that pick. I think he's one of the guys that's definitely mispriced. I mean, yes, he can miss the cut, but he should be 7,200 at this point in his, in his career, at least as far as um, what I've seen over the last five or six tournaments uh, that he's played even the ones that he's missed the cut he's missed the cut on the number so i like carson young there do we know if it's oh it's young and cole okay eric cole instead of sungjay all right that gives us uh plenty of room to maneuver i i like both of these guys i might be overdoing it on carson young but i don't think his ownership is going to get out of control because he's only 6300 people tend to just be afraid to go down there let me ask you spencer do you agree with me that carson young's mispriced here i mean we talked about mispricing before do you agree with me that maybe he should be like 6,800, 6,900? I can tell you what my model thinks he should be. Here we go. Uh, 6,600. Okay. So, all right. So model aside, Joel, let me ask you, and I don't want, I'm not trying to convince anybody. You think he's mispriced or do you think I'm just, we're just kind of glomming onto a guy that's going to come and go like a Hank Lebiota type and he's going to miss like seven cuts in a row and be gone. Uh, you know, I think misprice is the wrong word. I think for a guy in this price range, he has a lot of upside. And I think there is a world where he, he can realize that upside and he's worth playing. But there's also a very real world where he can miss the cut, right? Because he's yeah. just not bad on that consistency. So not misprice, but I definitely think he's a good upside golfer for that price tag. David, we saw what he did at the U.S. Open qualifier just a couple of days ago. No, yesterday, I guess. Where he shot, what was it, a 63 and a 62? Something insane. Uh, I mean, not that that's why I would base – uh, you know, the, the great Carson Young pick on, on that. But add that to everything else we've seen. Uh, what's your thought on whether 6300 is just the wrong price for Carson Young? I, I think he's definitely mispriced. I, I would have put him in the high 6K range. As you said, the, the two US Open qualifying rounds are uh, absolutely insane. Um, obviously, Heritage, he was 19th in an elevated event. Carson Young, I mean, um, again, profiles very, very well for here. What I would say is that I have him at like 7.5% ownership at the moment. So mm. I do think that a lot of people have identified that. Do we want to play a guy who's 6,300 who's getting 7.5% ownership? That would be the only question. I'll certainly be sprinkling some of them in, but I'm not going to be like 20% Carson Young because I don't think that's the right way to go. Yeah, and, and honestly, I saw a lower number, but the lower number didn't make any sense because I know everybody's kind of figured out the Carson Young thing at this point. People, we've been playing him. We've been talking about him for over a month. So I, at this point, people are kind of, they, they've scrolled down and they see that. So I totally get that. Real quick on Eric Cole, I like the pick. Weighted T to green looks really good for him. Uh, finishing positions, uh, last four tournaments, if you look at the strokes gain metrics, they all look really good for him. So um, I like our team so far. We got plenty of money to, to throw around for our next two picks. But David, it's your pick now. You got Cameron Davis, Cebes, and Brendan Todd. Who's next? 
Yeah, I'm going to have to vary my build a little bit um, now that I've missed out on Henley, but um, there's another guy in that range that I was going to hopefully draft alongside him, which for me was Denny McCarthy. Um, makes parts Denny. I mean, we've got to love him here. His form is um, phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to say it's phenomenal. 29th at the PGA Championship, Denny McCarthy. He's not long off the tee. He gained a ton of the strokes on approach before that. Eighth at Quail Hollow. 11th is Zurich, 25th elevated event at the Arbacy Heritage, 19th at the Valspar, pretty well correlated to here, and 13th at the Players' Championship. Like, Denny is in just absolutely fantastic form. I don't think people are high enough on him. The approach game's really turned around. We know what he does with the putter, but the approach game is really, is really, really improved. Um, as of really Pebble Beach back in February, um, he's gaining, gaining a lot. So really love him here. I, I think that he's going to go very, very close. I think he may even win it. I totally agree. He's in, you guys are going to see it in the Wind Daily Sports Discord. He is one of my outrights. He's, uh, I think, and I'll just give that one away now, but he's, he's 55 to one, I believe, in most markets. And I love just, David, everything you just said, I totally agree with. I love the recent form. I think he's kind of hidden in DFS. I mean, you know, a pivot off of Cameron Davis is Denny McCarthy, or you could just play both because you're going to get leverage from Denny McCarthy anyway. And that's probably not going to be a common build to get Denny and Cameron Davis in your lineup if that's how you want to play it. Certainly that's how David has chosen to play it. Um, Spencer, yes or no on Denny? Yes, and it's usually no on Denny. I, I never play him, and I, I like him this week. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in your camp. Uh, Joel, what about you? Yes. All right. Well, we all agree. Uh, Spencer, Buckley, I just love that pick. Again, all these low 7K picks, let's just level set. Like Those can all crash and burn. So me saying I love it really is saying I think Buckley has tremendous upside. I think Buckley is the type of guy that on Saturday and Sunday, and I, obviously, Spencer, you agree, can do a ton of damage. But do you have another player that can do a ton of damage after Buckley? I have a player that can do a lot of damage to himself and maybe withdraw from the tournament. Brian Harmon. Jordan Spieth. Oh, nice. I like that pick. Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, like, look, there's a lot of ownership around him. I understand that. But you throw him in Texas. You, we look at what he's done at this tournament. I mean, it's four straight top 10 finishes here in the last four years. He's one of the biggest increases that I have in my model when looking at weighted proximity versus his projected proximity on any course. Like, that's something that means a lot to me. And then all of a sudden you throw the putter in, which can be highly volatile at this point of his career. But he's still within the top 20 of my model in this pitch and putt narrative that I'm running. So... I think Spieth can withdraw, yes, but I also think he has a realistic chance to win this tournament. We see that with the pricing. Like, there's markets out there where I've seen him sub 10 to 1. I mean, he's about a 10 to 12 to 1 golfer, no matter where you're looking at this. And uh, I am kind of okay with the ownership in this section here. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons, just to go back to it, I understand it's a $600 difference. Why I gave a hesitant answer to some extent on Justin Rose just because I keep continuing finding myself pushing up to Jordan Spieth when I get the possibility in this spot, which has removed some of the ownership that I've been wanting to play on Justin Rose. So um, a lot of times these answers when players are so close are not necessarily, I hate this player and they shouldn't be played. It's just with my particular uh, construction of how I've put this together, it's really hard for me to play Spieth and Rose together in a build. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I like the pick. And honestly, I don't think the injury I was thinking about, I was talking to Greg Ducharme about this yesterday on the first cut. And, you know, we both kind of speculated and it's truly speculation that maybe his withdrawal from the Byron Nelson because of a quote, air quotes, wrist injury 
maybe that was him just trying to appease his, his sponsor at the Byron Nelson and, and pretend that he had an injury and he just really didn't want to play that tournament. He wanted to gear up for the PGA Championship because he didn't look injured last week uh, no. at the major. So uh, I think you're probably totally fine with uh, Jordan Spieth. I'm surprised he's gotten as much ownership as he has because I thought people would be afraid of that injury. But, uh, you know, whatever. I think he's, he's obviously a great pick. This is a course he absolutely dominates. Joel, you've got back-to-back picks. Scotty. Grillo, Nate Lashley. Where are we going next? All right. So I will say I was planning on taking Spieth there too, which is now probably a good thing is if I took him, he 100% was withdrawing. So I'm happy that I, I got out of that one. Uh, I'm reshaping how I'm making this build. So I'm going to start off here. I'm going to pivot to Ricky Fowler. Um, he, I'll say he does look a little popular this week for my likings, but to get another guy at 8,900, again, under 9K, this certainly feels like a week where I think he has the upside to go out and win the tournament. I mean, the way he's been playing this year, the way his ball, the consistency with his ball striking around the green, he even popped with his putter often this year. There's a lot to like about Fowler at under 9K. I think there's a ton of upside here with him. And with the next pick, I'm going to go with some more value. I'm going to take Ryan Palmer, who over the course of Ryan Palmer's career, we've seen him. He tends to like pop in spurts where he goes on a little run and has a few tournaments in a row where he shows really well. I'm thinking that we might be in the middle of that run now. He's been really good the last two tournaments. Um, It's back in Texas where you know he likes to play. At 7,200, this could be another good spot for him. Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to come around to Ryan Palmer. And it's only because I like so many other guys in that low 7K range, but I don't have a problem with him at all. Um, And Ricky makes a lot of sense. David, real quick before we get to Spencer's pick, um, Ricky and Palmer in or out? Um, and on both, I think Fowler hurt a lot of people's feelings last week, and that always results in a bit of a decrease in ownership. And if we, you know, he, he gained strokes and he missed the cut. Like, I mean, it's just unfortunate when stuff like that happens. He gained strokes on the field um, and missed the cut on the number. Palmer loves Texas as well. And um, we were on him very, very recently at the um, AT&T and Byron Nelson. We had tipped him up at 150 to 1. Um, and he was leading the tournament, entering the final round, eventually finished eighth. But we know that he loves um, playing in Texas. It, it means a lot to him. And he's um, a decent, decent player here. He's had a six here before as well. Yeah, I love it. All right, Spencer, who comes after Jordan Spieth? So there are five. So I ran six categories. I'll start by saying this. And there were five players in this tournament that had more top tens inside of my model than this player here. I cannot believe he's made it this far to me. You can say that this is where I have thrown my lineup down the drain at this point. I am going Brian Harmon. What? Oh my, oh my dear Lord. All right. I'm surprised Joel didn't take him before you did, but go on Spencer. I didn't mean to interrupt. Couple answers for why I like this. He hits a lot of greens and regulation. He's going to be inside the top 10 of most models. When you run this from total driving, Uh, the bogey avoidance is third. The short courses are third. I think the key to this whole thing, though, and I've given this answer a couple times this week, I'm not a course history person. I always come on every single show and say, I I don't buy the course history narrative because while it could be true, once somebody knows about it or once the public knows about it, it kind of pushes you into this territory where you get 20% owned golfers and you're paying in for that baked in value of what's going on there. Harmon has amazing course history. I see sub 7.5% right now. Like, it's almost like we've gone too far in the other direction of what we've seen from him recently pushing him down the board. I actually think 8,200 is a really good price. I do think he's a legitimate player in this tournament that can give you a top 10 or 20 finish. 
We can look at what he's done here recently. And it kind of goes back to the stats that I just talked about. Look, it's burned me a million times doing this. At some point it has to work. I like it at when it's going to be sub 7% versus some of those like 20% chances I took on him. At some point it does not have to work. Uh, but my opinion doesn't matter here. The authority on Brian Harmon is of course the person who always drafts him and subsequently watches him withdraw two days later. Joel, are you in or out on Brian Harmon? You know, I do like Brian Harmon. I normally play him. I am out, though. And I think, you know, Spence, you made some good points. But the recent form is just not there. And, you know, I, I just think I got to see more from him coming around than playing good golf before I can roster him. Ouch. Burn. Man, rivalry. Forget that Tambo thing with Spencer. Now it's, it's Joel and Spencer <laughs> cooking things up here. David, what are you cooking up with your fifth pick? Yeah, well, I'm just looking at uh, how much money the audience has got. I'm sort of considering which way I go. And I think I've got to take this guy now, um, go spend up some of my salary. And I, I think I'm going to get a little bit of an ownership gap on Colin Morikawa. I feel mm -hmm. that a lot of people are going to be obviously going up to Sheffler. That's a no-brainer. But, you know, going to a Victor Hovland, who's in excellent form, going down to a Jordan Spieth, for example. And I think Morikawa kind of gets missed a little bit in there. I mean, his performance at the PGA Championship for me, 26 on a course that's really too long for him, was really, really promising. He's gaining um, putting a lot on bent grass lately. Um, gained at the Masters when he finished 10th. Again, that's probably not a course that fit, fits Morikawa all that well. Um, obviously, we know what he can do in approach, but he's highly accurate. He can find fairways, which are, for me, on a positional golf course like this, is very, very promising. He's also finished second here in 2020, so I love that he's got some good recent form, good comp courses at um, RBC Heritage and Sony Open as well. And I think he gets missed a little bit, but um, he certainly gives me a lot of winning upside in this lineup. All right. Um, I think it's a great leverage play. Uh, I'm probably not going to end up playing him. I'll find my leverage in other places, including some lineups where I just fade Scotty Scheffler, for example, and some of the, the chalky guys in the, uh, in the 9K range. But Spencer, Colin Morikawa, yes or no? I think the reasoning that David talked about of trying to create leverage makes a lot of sense. For me, I'm probably more inclined to want to do it with Max Homa, who's a golfer that I have not been on recently, but I do think this is a really good course setup for him. Um, I don't know. Like, it kind of goes back to the answer I keep saying, though. Every single person, $10,000 or over, is inside the top six of my model. It's you're, you're splitting hairs here at the end of the day. And if you think you can create some sort of a, either it's a discount or a leverage discount with it, like you have to get different in some spots. Yeah, I hear you. I, and now we have a debate with the audience here. Um, I see. Here's the thing. I, I don't know if anybody's officially been nominated I, because we have 9,600 left. I, I just want to say if we wanted to spend all our money, then we could just do it with Burns and Sungjae, who I think both are like really good candidates to win this tournament. And it, it gives us kind of the perfect 50K lineup. Not that we have to have that. Um, I just thought it was maybe a good way to go because I, I know the audience liked Sungjae earlier. And I think Sam Burns is kind of hit or miss, but uh, obviously went one last year and the ball striking metrics and, and putting are, are what we want to see. So what has the audience decided as I, I try to extend my rant to see where we're at here? See, Him I'll add Burns. one thing to that. I Go believe ahead. you and I both last year hit Sam Burns from an in-tournament ad. Yeah. Oh, that was the 80 to one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I forgot that this was this tournament. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, you know, and okay. That that's good. That that's, um, that's coming on the heels of the, the 46 to one with Brooks Kepka uh, last week. 
and we've got Joel who hit for 150K. So it, it only makes sense for this to come full circle with Spencer's live outright and my live outright of Sam Burns uh, at this tournament last year. I think Sung Jane Burns is the play. Jimmy agrees, and it looks like is is I don't I, don't, I want to make sure we didn't violate any rules. Is everybody cool with that? I I don't, I don't really know what the how the nominations bore out here, but it looks like Jimmy is saying Sung Jane Burns with the nominations. Does that make sense, everybody? Yes. No. All right. That's what it is. I, listen, I, obviously I like both of these guys. Sungjae and Burns were the two guys that completely blew up, if memory serves, just last week. David, D- Joel, let me ask you, does that have any effect on on how you are evaluating players for this tournament? Because they both were like really bad for a day. Um, any impact whatsoever? No. If anything, it'll, there's almost a positive to it because it's going to make the ownership probably go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that course is gonna was playing so challenging that like, the blow up was almost like if you weren't playing well, it was almost like you're gonna go into a blow up opposed to just like on a regular course that may have been just like a one or two over day. So I don't think you can hold a blow up on that course that was playing so difficult against somebody this week. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, David, let's get your final pick. But if you want to drop some thoughts on either Sung JM or Sam Burns, feel free. I, I think even from an ownership standpoint, this looks pretty good because Sung is getting a lot of ownership, but Sam Burns. Unless I'm seeing this wrong, and of course, in Windy League Sports Discord and, and on the website, we're going to have the actual ownership article tomorrow um, late afternoon. I'm really going to be curious to see Sam Burns' number because he looks like he's sub-10% right now, which I think is very interesting. But we're offsetting the Sungjae ownership with Sam Burns, and, and we don't have, you know, Taylor Moore is, is not super popular either. Um, Eric Cole is probably not going to carry too much ownership. So I, I think this is a great lineup. But, uh, David, it's your pick. Any thoughts on the two guys that the C audience just took? Yeah, I think Sam Burns is interesting from a from a leverage perspective. If we look at his um, win here, obviously, uh, but then a win at Austin Country Club as well. Again, Pete Dye design, but a positional kind of golf course where power is not the be or needle. <coughs> so, um, 15th at the RBC Heritage as well. I thought was very, very good for him. Sanjay in, um, again, very, very interesting in terms of 7th at the, the RBC Heritage this year, 15th um, here last year as well. I, I'm not sure that I'm going to get there. Like, he was so, so bad last week. Um, he, he missed the, the cut by quite some number of course that I really think should have suited him. Um, so, I, you know, we can put that down to he traveled in from South Korea like four days before the, the major, and that probably wasn't the best decision in hindsight for him. So, um, yeah, a yeah, little bit interesting. All right, so for me, 6,800 left, and amazed that this guy's on the ball when C is in a draft because this may be C's favorite golfer in the entire world um, is Ben Martin. Um, love the approach metrics that we've been seeing from Ben Martin as of late. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very talented golfer. Driving actually has been very good as well. Again, missed the cut at the Wells Fargo. That's, that's not a Ben Martin golf course. Like Quail, Quail Hollow, you need to be driving at a hell of a lot more than um, then Ben Martin does. And I'd rather take the improved form that we've been seeing from him. Never missed a cut here, and he's had a 10th year before. Uh, third at the RBC Heritage previously, seventh at Wildlife. So a lot of those concourses, he's ticking the boxes for me. And I just think that we've, over this last year, seen a very, very different golfer from uh, from Ben Martin than uh, we've been um, previously used to. So I like him, I like him here quite a bit. Yeah, I like that pick. And he's one of those guys in that like 6,700 to 7,100 range where there's just so many guys that I think you could put it 73, 7,400, and, and it would make complete sense. Um, let's let's move along. Spencer, if you have any comments about Ben Martin, please share them. But uh, otherwise, let's see uh, where you're going with your final pick. 
I think David probably took the best choice that he could make with the money he had left. Like my model really likes Martin this week. I think from a win equity standpoint, most numbers that you're going to run or most people that are running numbers will give a very similar answer. It just comes down to ownership. Uh, I'm going to go with the second player though, for me in the $6,000 section. Uh, I couldn't afford Martin for what it's worth, but I'm going to take Mark Hubbard at 6,600. I think Hubbard has flashed recently with four consecutive made cuts. He has this perfect made cut street at Colonial since 2022. I kind of just think there's more optimism around him here than the public is leading you to believe with this. He's inside the top 25 in my model for weighted T to green. That pairs really nicely with the 17th place mark that I have for him in bogey avoidance. I'm kind of just looking for a made cut and hoping to go from there. And I, I mean, it gets really gross fast in the $6,000 range. I do think there's about five to six players that are mispriced. Hubbard happens to be one of them. So I'm happy to get him to round out this lineup that I actually think outside of like the speed injury, which I think you said at best, see, I'm not necessarily convinced that the injury was all that bad here. Uh, I kind of think there's some general safety with this lineup, which I feel good about. All right. Yeah. Mark Hubbard. Uh, Joel, any thoughts on Mark Hubbard? And let us know who let us know who you're rounding out your lineup with. You got Scotty, you got Grillo, Nate Lashley, Ricky Fowler, Ryan Palmer, and well, I will say Hubbard's one of my favorite 6K play ranges or plays in the 6K range. You know, he has the ability to pop with his iron, so I like that pick. But I'm gonna round my lineup out with and, and the reason I gotta take this guy is because a lot of the other guys in this range were just taken already that I would have gone to. But I like Harris English. I think he does have some upside this week. Um, he's got a really good course history here, and, and I want to highlight that because the biggest thing I was looking at, he he's had a few, a couple, really hot putting rounds, weekends on this course. So he likes to putt here. Again, if he has another one of those where he has those ridiculous, like, gains five or six, seven, eight strokes putting and just gains a little bit on approach and around the green, which he always does, um, I think he can have a really good result. So at 1700, I think there is some upside here with English. Oh, I agree. I think English has some upside. I think he can crash and burn too, but I think he's the, he's the right guy to have in your tournament lineup from an upside standpoint. Um, David, let's, let's wrap it up. Let, let's um, obviously we're going to transition to first round leaders now, but any thoughts on Harris English? Cause I think he's, he's kind of a controversial guy to consider. I, I think if you look at the stats, you go, you go back a long way. It doesn't look great, but it looks like maybe he's sort of found something and he's the ball striker that we remember him to be before his injury a couple of years ago. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually had him last week in the sections and he, and he broke uh, a lot of people's hearts um, last week, I, I know, as well, because um, he did look very, very obvious value going in because we know the the upside that Harris English has. You know, I mean, he won twice and made the Ryder Cup team right before his injury and he's had a pretty rough road of it the last couple of years but the the underlying talent is undeniably there um he's had a second here as well and um the approach numbers were still good at the PGA Championship despite the nasty miscut um so you know I'd rather have something like that where he's still striking the ball well um and just didn't get the putter going for for whatever reason all right Joel are we ready to go to where we make all of our money Let's do it. We're not done yet. Everyone, before we do the first round leaders, give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. We will report back with some more outrights and plays in Discord as we get more updates on weather and things like that throughout the week. But for today, we have the first round leaders. We'll start with you, David. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market this week? I've, I've actually got six guys this week. I'm going full um, morning for the guys. Um, I believe that's going to be where the best of the day happens. 
it looks to be same Friday at the moment. So it, it looks like pretty moderate winds, which for Texas is perhaps somewhat surprising. Um, but I'd like to go for the morning. So my six guys are Chris Kirk at 45 to 1. Plays very, very well around Colonial, and I like him in that first-round leader market. Russell Henley at 50 to 1. Spencer's boy. I, I, I actually like Brian Harmon this week at 55 to 1, and, uh, and I'll take the exposure in the first-round leader market there. Brennan Todd at 60 to 1. Lucas Herbert at 60 to 1. I think he's got the upside to, to really pop. His approach numbers look good, and that's always a key marker for me with Lucas Herbert, and he can putt extremely well. And final is the, the Texan, Ryan Palmer, 70 to 1. I love it. I love it. How about you, Spence? Who you looking at in the first round of the market? So if you do shop around, you can find Brian Harmon at 66 to 1 at a specific book out there. Uh, I'm going to take Brian Harmon at 66 to 1. And then I'm going to take a different Texan in Jordan Speed at 33 to 1. That's a good oh. number on Jordan Speed. Very, very good number. Um, I have a few plays, a couple override or overlay with, with you guys as well. Um, at 60 to 1, I like Brandon Todd and Cbez. At 50 to 1, I like Denny McCarthy and Kirk Kitayama. And then at the top, um, listen, we, we've seen him flashing in first rounds. He's playing great golf. Victor Hovland at 25 to 1. All right. See ya. Give us the gospel. Who will be the first round leader on Thursday? All right. Let me start with three long shots. I have six here, but three of them are, are a little kind of on the unrealistic end, two of which have uh, triple digit odds. So let me start there. Sam Stevens, who, if he can find the putter for a round, will be awesome. Uh, honestly, I think he's a good DraftKings play as well. It's just the putter can kind of be um, an issue with Stevens. And that, that's the, uh, the, I mentioned a guy who who's lost actually 11 out of the last 12 with the putter. That was Steven Yeager, the guy I was referencing earlier in the show. He's another guy that's like really great with every single metric other than the putting. So it's just a watch out. Listen, if you want to play him, that's fine. But don't be mad at him or, or, or mad at anybody when he misses the cut. Because if a guy's losing 11 out of 12, he's probably going to lose again. It's just a matter of how much that hurts him. Sam, Sam Stevens is in a similar boat, not quite as bad. But I think he can do it for a round. So Stevens at 80 to 1. Chez Reeve. Go, everybody go look at what Chez Reedy is doing over the last few tournaments. He's killing it on approach. He's killing it uh, with the putter, and he's got good history here. He's a good course fit. 110 to 1 makes a lot of sense for me. And then the real punt here, Chad Ramey. I mean, we've all seen it over the last, like, three or four tournaments. He just pops up on leaderboards, like, round one into round two, and then he completely goes away. So at 130 to 1, you know, these are the type of plays you put, like, a dollar on, maybe two bucks. Like, it's this is not a, a huge play. The three sort of plays that I think are, are a little bit more realistic. Again, the long shots are Stevens, Reeve, and Ramey. The realistic ones are Sam Burns at 35 to 1, uh, Christian Bezadenhout at 65 to 1. But, ladies and gentlemen, and I know we have some ladies in the audience too, so I'm not just saying that to say it. I saw uh, Yamakaze uh, in there, uh, one of the Wind Daily members, uh, big time Frasier fan, the best sitcom of all time. Your first round leader, the, the guy you want to put all your money on, every dollar that you have, of course, on this guy. He's got a cool name. I referenced him in a tweet earlier today. It was a seal song, Kiss from a Rose. It's none other than Justin Rose. He is going to be your first round leader at 35 to 1. You're welcome. It's only a Tuesday. I'm telling you what's going to happen on Thursday. He is your super lock, easy button, first round leader. It's so obvious. 
Yeah, so if you go out and you win 150K playing DFS, you didn't put the whole thing, all of it, all 150K, right on Justin Rose, and then then what? Then how much more do you have? It's really just math. Very simple. It's that easy. I suggest it. Um, And then you come back on Thursday night and you be like, hey, thank you. I'm rich because I bet all my money on Justin Rose and he was the first-round leader. So there you you don't even need me. You don't even need to thank you. That's how I see it. He's just giving you free wealth. So. Better than those guys on TikTok that I'll tell you make you pay for it. See is giving it to you for free. So free. that's a wrap for tonight. Give us a follow. We'll be posting the lineups. Let us know who you think is going to win. We'll, we'll check back. We will crown a winner at the end of the week. Good luck. See, am I forgetting anything? Well, Brent dropping lyrics from Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Did you know that when it snows, uh, my eyes become blind? I something uh, light that you something can't see. Anyway, uh, David, speaking of free, um, members can still, or new members at WinDaily, they can still get a free a free week of WinDaily. That covers all the sports by going to WinDailySports.com and doing what? Yeah, just just jump into the uh, the link below, into the promo code WinBig or Green. You'll get one week free. Um, come see what we're about. Come see some of our picks. I mean, last week in the Discord on Sunday, we, we had that big showdown win, but I also dropped five matchup plays. They all hit at 30 to yeah. 1. So, I mean, you're, you're getting some pretty stellar content. And if you like the product, then just $5.99 a week after then. But come give it a go. Come see what it's about. Um, we've got an amazing Discord channel, great vibes in there, really, really sharp plays, not just for golf, but every single sport that people play for. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Come support us. It, it helps us produce a heap of content and helps you fill your pockets with multiple houses um, if you follow Sears Play. That's exactly right. Well, Joel, I think that's pretty much it. The only other thing that I forgot to mention, and this is totally on me, totally on me. I apologize. Sports. <laughs>